0: The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans We're Discussing before you listen to this podcast. The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Welcome to Slate's TV Club Insider Podcast for season three, episode 10 of The Americans, Stingers. In this episode, we'll be talking to editor Dan Valverde with our showrunners, Joel Fields and Joe Weisberg. After that, we'll sit down and get Paige's point of view with actress Holly Taylor, all while she sits in our writer's room on a bouncy green yoga ball.
2: Welcome to the most important episode of The Americans yet. I want to talk about how I met Dan Valverde. And an oh, was that person. a
1: romantic meet cute?
2: Well, no, but he said one of the most interesting things an editor's ever said to me during a job interview. I remember that.
1: What? What was it? He
2: he said we were talking about uh, his approach, and he he was telling me how he how he approaches editing, how he likes to work with showrunners, and I was talking about my process. And the thing that really stuck with me is you said sometimes I like to if I'm struggling with a scene, sometimes I like to turn the sound off and go out of the room and watch from outside in the hallway through the open door just to see how it looks from there. And I thought, I want to work with this guy. (laughs) But Dan has a very artistic approach to what for some people is a craft. We're blessed with an incredible team of artist editors and they're all different and the process is different with each of them and it's a lot of fun. It's a great Boy, process. Boy, I feel
0: like it's 99% craft. I think the 1% imp- inspiration I'm always really grateful for, but you know, it's a
2: lot of work. I mean, I have a pretty painstaking approach. Um, but isn't but isn't all art when you're the artist 99% craft? Probably. Cuz you're just you're the one who's in there slogging through the work. Oh god, yeah. But but we're the <laughs> but we're the ones who get to come in and say Well, our intention was this scene with this scene it was was this or when we wrote it it was that and we know that the footage doesn't quite give us that but but can you find it? And then we get to leave for two days. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Well I guess a good example of that if as long as we're talking about three ten would
0: be the big scene the big oh, pacing scene. scene yes yes which <laughs> was uh, a surprising amount of footage i mean i've worked on some big scenes before i i think previously the record for me was about 5 hours of, of dailies on a scene but that was on a scene with 12 characters. This is a scene with three characters. And I had five hours of dailies on this scene. So
1: when we're talking about that, that's five hours of raw footage just of that scene at different angles, different pieces. I actually, it's funny you say that because I, of course, wanted to watch the dailies for that scene as soon as it shot just because it was like, oh, it's that scene. Um, I hope you
0: drank a lot of coffee.
1: So much. Well, so that's the thing. I opened up the files and I saw how many there were and I thought that someone had mislabeled them because I just thought there was no way there could be, you know, when there's one shot, the master usually, it's the scene number then a letter. So usually for most scenes, we have A, B, C, D, E, you know, if it's a little longer, F, G, H. Right. This went to like M, N. I mean, we were like easily into the middle of the alphabet. And there were four and five takes for each of them.
0: I generally tell the assistants not to tell me when there's a lot of footage because I don't want to be freaked out before I actually sit down and start working. But one of the assistants just couldn't contain herself. So, well, basically I managed to get through it. I mean, there's... I, I I use an approach which is pretty painstaking, which is I cut the scene with every line reading, which means it's like, okay, I know I'm going to be on Philip for the beginning. So I'll look at every line reading for Philip's first line, and I'll just string them all one after the other. And then I know I'm going to be on Elizabeth, so I'll string those together. <coughs> and that actually, first of all, forces me to watch everything. There's just no way to not watch The material when you're doing that. And secondly, it gives you a great way to compare. And in this scene, it really came in handy. I mean, it took me a long time to get through it, but then the actual cutting of the scene went a lot faster because I'd already kind of digested everything. I knew what I had. And the interesting thing about me is, I think as an editor, the place where I start isn't what's best, but what's worst. I start going through and just throwing away things that I know are, are not as good as Process other of elimination. Process of, yeah, because it's, it's just faster that way. You know, I, there's often a few takes that are in the ballpark. I don't want to choose them too quickly. I, I want to have time to sort of play them, you know, a few times through. So the first thing I do is just throw things away. And ultimately, I find I'm left with uh, a few takes that are kind of in the ballpark. And then at a certain point, one just starts to stand out. Honestly, one of the things that makes this show easier than most is that we do very thorough tone meetings, which is when the producers sit down with the department heads and they talk about exactly how they want the episode to be experienced I you think know. of the
1: tone meetings as the sort of embodiment of a speak now or forever hold your peace kind of thing. Because well, there's it's, that. It's yeah. all the, it's all, it really, because it's like, it's all, the writers of the episode, it's you guys, it's uh, our producers and Dan Sackheim and everybody just going scene by scene of this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And they go on forever. And with this one in particular, because it was such a big scene and everyone wanted to be very, very clear on the ideas for it. But And
2: then, and then we did an, on, then we did something we don't often do, which is an on-set rehearsal almost complete, a week. Completely
1: separate. Yeah. Almost
2: a week before we shot the scene, we right. brought the actors to the set with the director and rehearsed it. Did you, were you able to come for that or? No, I actually wasn't there.
0: I'd heard about it. And uh, I knew that, um, that, it had gone very well it was a
2: great experience and a- and actually it really informed the performances because we got a chance to to be a part of that process and
3: I also think to sort of explain that five hours of footage that we sat down with Larissa Kondracki when she yeah. first came to the show. She was the director of the episode. And we said, welcome to the Americans. You know, you haven't directed for the show before. Welcome. And the entire series is in your hands. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no she pressure. told me that. Yes.
2: <laughs> welcome to the most important episode of the Americans yet. Well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, my, my,
0: my point is just that as far as scenes with a lot of footage goes, in a way, this was easier than most because it was so clear because it wasn't a huge struggle to figure out what I needed to to do. I mean, it, it had been, it, I think it was pretty clear in the writing. It was pretty clear in the way that it was directed. This was an, one of the easier episodes for me. I mean, I, it, you know, despite that one scene, it, it, Larissa has a great eye. She has a great way of capturing, I think a whole chunk of a scene in one really interesting shot that holds so that you don't end up having a lot of footage to sort through, you know, um, I think probably the scene I'm most proud of in, in terms of my contribution is the final scene, simply because that was one I don't know how much she had a vision for. I know, for example, that when you guys called her to congratulate her on the episode, she said, oh, well, you know, the slow motion was something that, that Richard, our DP, suggested. And I saw it in dailies and I thought, wow, oh my God, what, what's the deal with that? And I started playing with the footage and it became clear as you start working the point of view and and you cut it, you know, you're in Paige's head that This is the scene where Dan where Stan comes in. This is the scene Mm -hmm. where the final scene of the episode
2: Dan comes in. Sort of double takes at Paige and sees her staring at him and asks if she's okay. So this was one of the rare
0: moments as an editor where I assembled something that actually remained identical from my editor's cut to the final lock, which was that whole part from the double take between Stan and Page to the very end of the scene. Inclu- even, uh, I understand, maybe the music, which was kind of an interesting thing as well. Usually we don't get that, that involved in music. We do it for temp. But I managed to do something that was kind of interesting, which I might actually stick, which, which was to take a music cue and then take another music cue and put that on top. And then... did run a- one music cue backwards? And, and then a third in? music cue that ran backwards to just because nothing it just seemed like it it wasn't enough i mean it, it we just i couldn't find a cue that went as far as i wanted it to in terms of the kind of the emotion and the weirdness of the scene page
1: you okay
4: yeah um
1: she uh, she takes everything a little differently
3: since being baptized a lot more observant isn't that right honey
2: Yeah, we're recording this podcast before we mix the episode, but when Nate Barr, our composer, heard his prior cues mashed together that way, he was pretty <laughs> impressed. So we'll see whether he cooks something up that's similar to that or whether we just use that. But either way, you should sue him. <laughs> <laughs> I just
3: You know, I think when you're the question you're raising it raises a very interesting question for me that, you know, we think about all the time, which is when you're watching something like this, this is a brilliant scene. And it's so interesting, the shot, where you're sort of looking across Stan down to page, and he does sort of this double take at her. And it just, the angles and the way it's shot are so perfect and so well-designed. But with any scene, you're sort of wondering sometimes, is the brilliant way this scene is shot? Is it the director? Is it the cinematographer? Is it the editor? And it's, in a way, the answer is it depends on the scene, isn't it?
0: it you know what? And, and I'm not sure you could ever really fully sort it out. i feel feel like I was proud of the work that I did on this episode. I was proud of the work I did on, on Noah's episode. Um but uh Noah's brilliant in the cutting room so I felt like there were two editors, you know. Um I,
2: I give him forty percent of the credit for the for the cut on that. <laughs> but Seriously. I mean, But joking aside about who gets what percentage of the credit, isn't I find that really when it's working well, it's everybody is Seemingly effortlessly doing their best work together, and that there is no separating out what Richard Rutkowski does and Larissa does and Dan does and don't we know, It's do. so true,
0: but don 't you feel like the best scripts somehow you end up they end up just falling together a lot of times you know the ones well not okay, maybe not best, but the, the ones that are that the intentions are the clearest, the ones that maybe don 't require a huge amount of nuance. But it's there on the page, and you can kind of see it. I mean, that's what I kind of felt about this: is I felt like, you know, uh, for the most part, this is an episode that the intentions were very clear. Now, you get to, you read this without knowing what was coming, or had you read the story outline? I don't read story outlines. I I, I base I don't I read the production draft pretty much. I don't. So you got to be surprised, or did somebody spoil it for you before you read? it? Yeah, was spoiled. <laughs> uh, it was one of those things where we, uh, everyone in post just couldn't keep it to themselves. So um yeah so
1: what's your process like going from script and then during shooting uh i know some editors spend a little time on set to watch things as they're actually being shot some don't what, how do you work basically from script to screen
0: i read all the scripts i think it's really important I think you need to know where you're coming from well
1: that's the other thing so it's not just your episodes we have uh four editors that have worked on the show this yes. season and a rotation amanda Pollack.
0: Mar- Marnie Meyer, Michael Baronbaum have been editors on, on this season of, of the show. Yes, we are, we're not a team exactly. We are, we're working on different episodes. We all do the same job. Every third episode, a new editor comes in. Otherwise, there's no way we could keep up. There's no way one editor could cut all the material. It's just too much. It, things move too fast in television. Um, I think you could do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is a bad time to tell you how we're going to do season four. <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: so you read all the scripts, not just for your own episodes, but to get a full sense of the stories. I assume it would be very confusing if you only read your own episodes.
0: Oh God. Yeah. No, I have to have a sense of where the actors, where the characters are coming from. I have to remind myself before I sit down uh, where Stan was, even in the, the previous scene in, in the same episode. Um, so that I kind of have an idea of what I'm looking for uh, in the performances. Um, You know, it's interesting, you had a couple of friends who stopped by the the cutting room last week. One of them is a psychologist, and we had an interesting conversation about, well, I guess this applies to a lot of dramatic arts, but I I like to think of editing as what I refer to as high-level theory of mind. Um, Theory of mind is something that, like, parents of kids on the autistic spectrum are very familiar with. It's the idea that as a kid develops, there's a point at which they are suddenly aware that other people's point of view is different from their own. Like, all of a sudden, they start to understand that their parents see the world differently than they do. So, as a father of a a kid who had some developmental delays, unlike the Jennings, when my son started lying, it was a cause for celebration. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so, a lot of what I'm doing is not only am I looking at the actors and I'm thinking in terms of, I have to get inside their head and I have to think about how what they're doing affects me. I also have to think about how it affects the audience. And sometimes the performance that's maybe the most deeply felt isn't necessarily the best performance for telling the story because, on the other hand, it's like you don't want the actor to express too much of the emotion because then the audience experiences it less. There's a whole 50-50 thing that happens there.
2: So, Crime being a great example of that. Crime being a perfect example of that. Uh, it's interesting you talk about, the, about how the audience ex- experiences it we are lucky enough to have Steven Spielberg involved in the show. And he's at times been more involved than others. I remember first season we were cutting that final chase sequence and we couldn't believe that Steven Spielberg was sending in notes on the editing of the chase sequence at the end of season one. I turned to mm-hmm. Joe and I said, boy, if you could, he, there's, there's no way one could hire Steven Spielberg to <laughs> consult on your chase sequence. What mm-hmm. a rare moment that was. But I remember reading an interview with him where he said someone asked him what made him the world's greatest filmmaker. And he, he said, well, I think he was too humble to quite a, to quite take on that mantle. But he said, I like to think of myself as the world's greatest fan mm. and that and that he was the, the most intense audience member and and one could see how that's what you're talking about that if you really sit in that totally feel like a fan
0: i feel like a fan on this show especially no i i do i I, you know i i am so invested in the characters i mean i i've been waiting for this moment with page and wondering when it was going to happen and of course it was like a a huge surprise uh for me and 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 one that uh you know the, the mind boggles you know um where does this go? How is she going to be able to handle it? You know, um, it's just something that I was very, very excited about. So I just felt really lucky to get the episode.
3: You and I and Joel were having this talk at the end of Noah's episode in, in the final action sequence about, you know, what music does to a scene and how it changes the pace of a scene. And it was it was sort of a typical talk that the three of us will have that mm-hmm. is that is so sort of interesting and surprising that Joel Doss. and I walk out of the editing room <laughs> and we keep talking about it for like three weeks afterwards. But do you remember what some of the things you were saying to us were about how pace and meter,
0: yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean I always think about metronome. I think uh if anything, I tend to play things long in my my early cut because I'm always afraid of losing emotion and I mean, part of it is that I feel like if you just cut to the dialogue, all you get are words, but as you add time, as you add beats, you add me- meaning, you you give the opportunity to the audience to read into it. But then there's a flip side to that, is that, that there's this issue of pace. You want you know, Obviously, you want things to move well. And I don't know, I, what I, I think what we were talking about is the fact that we had cut the final sequence, the action sequence, with a different piece of music, and then when we changed to the Fleetwood Mac, all of a sudden, there were moments I just felt... Uh, out of proportion that felt too long and and uh, you know it's about there is a kind of inherent rhythm in the the, the material that I, I think as an editor you start to feel you, you just get a sense of you put music over that and that's where you can really tell what, what the rhythm is and sometimes if you know if it's just not working with the music then you have to change the the
2: picture rhythm speaking of individual scenes this this episode just now you got to edit some of the most emotionally dramatic scenes of the series to date, but also in a series that is often lauded as one of the funniest shows on the air. (laughs) You got to edit one of our funniest scenes. Henry... Doing Eddie Murphy from Saturday Night Live, Mister Robinson's neighborhood.
1: Oh, I begged for that bit.
2: Oh man, Molly, we had Molly. Molly, I have to say, I pulled a bunch of possible. I'm proud of a lot of things. You did a lot of work. You did a lot of research. That was beautiful. By
1: leaps and bounds, convincing you guys to let Kedrick do that bit is the thing I am most proud
3: of. (laughs) How many many choices did we pick from? Uh, Did you pull about five
2: or six I different gonna
1: bits? I was going to say eight or ten, eight and then and we ten. narrowed it we down to like
2: three or four. We knew we wanted like them yeah. yeah. to do something. And, but that, that but that's one of my
3: favorites. That worked so many so levels. The we brilliance it of it was worked, context. it even better. I mean, brilliant was context but the execution oh, yes. was great
0: too it was it yeah. was but you could probably put that scene in a different place and have it fall flat it yeah. coming off of that the the highly emotional stuff of the parents it was just you you just were dying for for that oh, kind of uh catharsis oh, yeah, it was it was just great and and i was just happy that there's that one moment with uh, uh henry and elizabeth where they they uh, look at each oh, other walks walks he looks room. at her
3: she walks in the to room me, and he just looks scene. at her
2: like whatever
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's also like the, it's, also, it's catharsis and then catharsis denied like mm-hmm. as soon as you get the catharsis it's ripped away too yes. that's what's you know that's how
0: we do <laughs> that's oh how we but do. it's so great because I mean honestly I mean if you hadn't had that scene there I mean it just would have been such a heavy act I mean that could have made it made the act almost too much in a way I mean it was great it just it just it at just the right moment
1: Dan Valverde, thank you so so much for joining us today. This was awesome. Thank oh, you. It's awesome
0: thanks to Dan. me.
1: Thanks. So you're what? I don't even understand what you do for a health project. Okay, so
4: I have to go on this like Super Tracker website, and I have to record everything I eat. So I eat like like a man going through a midlife crisis so like of course i didn't write everything i ate because i was be like yeah right? i was like oh i had four chopped strawberries <laughs> and a bowl of cereal this morning with a pack of Just almonds as my snack they don't have to know <laughs> It's really rough. Like I just had lunch and I kind of feel like this um, yoga ball that I'm sitting on right now. <laughs> who cares about health? Like <laughs> my
1: soul is You're happy. You're totally taking away the right thing from health <laughs> class. So it's perfect. Um, I guess we're going to be forced to talk about the show now. But oh, no. um, so usually you get the scripts without any like advanced warning of the story. So the first time you read it is like, The first time, you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. But did someone spoil it for you before you got the script? No, no
4: one did. So it was a complete surprise? Yeah, I was so surprised. I mean, I was sitting in my room and my mom was reading the script in the living room. And I was reading the script in my room. And she came into my room after she finished it. And we both just like stared at each other in silence. (laughs) And we like couldn't figure out what just happened. Because I wasn't expecting Paige to do that. Like, I, or to find out. Like, I don't know. I just, it was all so confusing and, like, unexpected. And I don't know. It was crazy. So just the way that it all happened, like, how they come into the kitchen and just kind of, like, drop the bomb out of nowhere. Like, hi, like, welcome home. Here's the news. Well, it's not
1: just them, too. I mean, Paige really, yeah. it's been this, like, buildup for her where mm-hmm. she's sort of feeling all this pressure, pressure, pressure. And she just kind of throws an ultimatum down. Yeah. Which is... In one way, like you're saying, not like Paige, but Mm -hmm. in another way, I mean, have you been feeling that pressure for her building all season long?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's been a lot building on her and... Throughout season two, we kind of saw her like really confused and suspicious and really looking for an answer. But throughout the beginning of season three, it's almost like she kind of slowed down with that a little. Mm -hmm. So it makes it even more shocking that she just kind of like confronts them about it and lets everything spill. And she's just like, I need an answer or else I'm going to actually go insane, which she kind of does. Um, but that was one of the things that um, Dan Sackheim said when we did um, a little rehearsal before we shot that scene. He was like, I think it's just great if Paige like actually explodes because we never really see her not in control of herself. And I think that it makes it a bigger deal. And so that was one of the things we tried to work on. Um, and then obviously you get the waterworks and all that fun stuff that I had to do a lot of times. But I don't know. It was, it was kind of fun to shoot it because like we've all been waiting for that moment when and how she's going to find out and how they're going to tell her and if they want to tell her um so it was fun
1: what was it like kind of after you read it obviously preparing for that scene because Joe and Joel were talking about how they approach that scene very differently. We don't often on the show rehearse the scenes ahead of time a lot or have right. separate standalone rehearsals. But for that, we did have one, several even, right?
4: Yeah, we had one rehearsal like a week before we shot the scene. And then obviously when you get to set the day that you're shooting it, you have the director's rehearsal and then the crew rehearsal so they can see what you're going to do. So I guess that kind of counts as like
1: two Two or three, yeah. two and a half. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you feel like, I mean, you obviously came into it with a, a point of view as the person who plays this character, but do you feel like, your idea or gut reaction for the scene changed a lot as you rehearsed it? Or what was that process like working with not just Dan, but Carrie and Matthew and, of course, Larissa, who directed this episode?
4: Right. Um, working with everyone, it was really interesting to hear everyone's input. I mean, because there's so much you could do with it. Like, Paige could be mad. She could be interested. She could be just completely distraught. like, Or she could be all of those at once. And so that's kind of what happens is you see Paige kind of go through phases as the episode episodes continue and just like emotional journey I guess you could say to make things really cheesy but even for Carrie and Matthew like they had so much to think about with their characters too and um, it's interesting hearing both of them think about it so much. And Carrie was saying how, like, it's really interesting because Elizabeth has been the one that's pushing for this the whole season. Like, she wants Paige to know. She's trying to find a way to tell her. And then she almost kind of, like, stutters and doesn't know what to say when she has to actually tell her.
1: Right. And Philip's actually the one who has, like, the first opening yeah. line of the scene because she finally gets what she wants and doesn't know what to say yeah she
4: doesn't know what to do with it or where it's gonna go so um we all thought that was really interesting to play with and larissa was really helpful with everyone and we tried to do it like a few different ways and just so that we'd have options and see what works best because i mean anyone in that situation would react differently so we were just trying to find whatever would be more real and felt the most natural for everyone's storylines put together
1: and what I think is also interesting about that moment, and the writers talked about this a lot, is not only does it not happen in the last episode of the season, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen at the end of the episode. It happens, like, right in the middle. Yeah. So we still see Paige reacting to it then. And then there's this sort of um, interesting moment at the end where Paige is looking at Stan – Mm-hmm. in a totally different way for the first time. Right. And that's an interesting scene I would think to play because you don't have a lot, you don't have any dialogue really with him. You have one line or something. Yeah. You're just kind of <laughs> staring at him like yeah, he's Yeah, it's insane. creepy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it's like such a revelation for her. Like this guy comes over for dinner all the time and like they're buddies with him and like drinking beer and playing squash or racquetball or something. But meanwhile, like they're Russian spies and he's just like, he's I don't know, working for America, and, like, they just contrast each other, and it's just... Oh,
1: I think we're going to get interrupted. Uh-oh. It sounds like there's a roving pack hey. of animals. <gasps> <gasps> hey, guys. Hello. Hey, how us. are you? I, I love like your stuff, oh, oh, like oh, her <laughs> dad, her <aunt's laughs> dad. <You> <laughs>
3: Hey there, podcast listeners. This is your producer, Henry Malofsky. As you can hear at this point in the Holly Taylor interview, we were interrupted by the enthusiastic stars of the Americans, Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell. We later sat down with Carrie and Matthew and Holly to talk about the season three finale, and you'll be able to hear that terrific interview on Thursday, April 23rd. But today's solo interview with Holly never got going again, so sorry about that. And for those of you who haven't heard the good news, I want to congratulate the Americans on being renewed for a fourth season. I cannot wait for that. And uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week free of interruptions.
1: Thank you to all of our guests this week, Dan, Holly, Joe, and Joel, for talking to us about Episode 310. Join us next week when we talk to the writers of next week's episode, One Day in the Life of Anton Baklanov. I'm Molly Nussbaum. Thanks again for joining us.